0: i oh. Welcome back to Throwing Hands. I'm Jacob Janoski, and along with me is Daniel Woods. Daniel, how are we doing today?
1: I'm doing pretty good, man. How about you?
0: I'm doing great. I was very pleased with this weekend's uh, proceedings, as I'm sure you were. Yes, absolutely. So, so um, we're just going to hop right into it. One of the fights that, I mean, it didn't really surprise me, but Price Luke K was really good. What did you think?
1: Uh, that was an outstanding one. I, I thought at least out of the prelims and maybe out of the out of the card as a whole, it was probably my fight of the night. Uh, these are two guys that throw hard and can take big shots. And, I mean, it's a perfect combination. These two have, have fought uh, in the past. Luke A., after the fight, ended up calling Nico Price, uh, I believe the exact quote was he called him his greatest opponent. So, I mean, these are two guys with a history and two guys that have a history uh, of having some pretty exciting fights and it didn't it did not disappoint in my opinion.
0: Yeah, they were just they were fighting in a phone booth. I was watching Sh- uh Chael Sonnen was talking about it and he said uh, he it was one of it was a more brutal fight that he had seen. Those they were fighting in a phone booth and they're just exchanging every time and that sadly the ending was quite anticlimactic with the doctor stoppage, but and I thought Nico Price was winning in my opinion. So, we're going to head over to Hardy to DeCastro. This was a really interesting fight it seemed like Decastro just gave up after the first round.
1: Yeah, it was it was a weird thing because Decastro, I mean, uh, going into this fight was was a pretty big underdog and then came out looked really good in the opening rounds and then kind of out of nowhere he just stopped going on the attack. He was was really killing Hardy with those leg kicks which he wasn't he wasn't really checking early in the fight which is which is something we can talk about a little bit later that that change he made mid-fight. Uh, but it, it was really kind of confusing. DeCastro is a guy that, that is honestly, with his record going into that, that could have been uh, close to a star-making fight, uh, kind of turned him into somebody to watch out for at heavyweight, but it just uh, kind of fizzled out for him. And, and Greg Hardy, I think, to his credit, made some adjustments that, that helped to cause that.
0: Yeah, for sure. He, was, he, he did adjust well after the end of the first round where he was just getting tagged in his front leg. And I think his... Su- his superior athletic ability really helped to carry him in the sense that he was more well conditioned than or Maybe he just got tired, and DeCassia also got broke his toes in the late second or early third round when he kicked Hardy in the shin. So that probably affected him for that. So, what what's next for? Do you think Hardy's legit? That that's that's an interesting
1: question because, I mean, uh, obviously, it's the kind of thing with him where. He's been pushed to the moon by the UFC. He fought five times in his rookie year, including against Alexander Volkov. And then he comes back off of his off of his first loss in that fight, uh, faces off with somebody in DeCastro who even though he's not really a marquee prospect at heavyweight, uh, was six and O coming into this fight. So I I still think I need to see more from Greg Hardy to to consider him uh, a legit guy at the top of that division. Uh, but he's got every skill to be able to do it and I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do in the future.
0: Yeah, I am too. I think I, th- I think if he'd started earlier, like when he was in his 20s, he would have been a, a legitimate threat in the UFC. And I mean, he's learned quick. He started fighting in November of 2016, well, training. He never he didn't fight until a couple years later, but he uh, he's really come on strong and I think he could definitely jump into the top 10 of the rankings at some point in his career. So on to Steven versus cater this was this was <laughs> fireworks from the beginning I mean, yeah Stevens came out really aggressive in the first couple minutes of the round then cater started to open up the fight w- what would you think what do you think of the fight uh,
1: this was this was another good one it was uh, i i wouldn't I wouldn't compare them entirely, but it was a little bit like like Luke and price for me because I mean it was two guys that that can really go that can really go when they're on their feet and i think they proved that again cater was a little more calculated in what he was doing jeremy stevens uh, is one of the more spectacular fighters in terms of knockout uh power and artistry that we've seen in that division recently uh, but uh, we talked about this in the preview he can he can get a little bit of ahead of him, a little bit ahead of himself and start uh, leaning in a little too much and i think that's what got ca- him caught up with cater here as Calvin Cater was really just the more in control fighter throughout this uh throughout this fight. Yeah,
0: he really used his more refined striking throughout the fight to really open up Stevens. And then when Stevens came in with the elbow and then uh Cater counted with his own elbow. That he hit him right above the lip he was he was almost slight sound then Cater hit him with a left elbow on the ground. And that's what did it for Stevens. I mean so what do you think's next for Jeremy Stevens?
1: I don't know because he's kinda of getting up there in age, in terms of the division, he's, he's one of the older guys. I mean, he's, he's probably going to drop out of that seventh spot, uh, in the, in the rankings. I don't really know where he goes as far as his next fight, uh, but he's obviously somebody that, uh, has the skills to, to stick around and not t- at top 10, in my opinion. I don't think he's going anywhere anytime soon, as far as that goes.
0: Yeah. I think, I think a good fight for Jeremy Stevens, we see in a good one for the UFC as a main event or a co-main event, will be a fight against uh, Jose Aldo, because jo- Jose is ranked number 11th. Stevens will probably go down to nine. they He and Cater will probably switch. That will be a good fight for the UFC in general. So what do you think's next for Cater?
1: This is, this is the kind of thing where if he can string a couple together... He can start pushing towards towards the top five of that division. In my opinion, it's he's a guy that uh, can do a lot of different things. And as we saw there, pretty clearly, he did really well on his feet. Uh, as As we've come to know with Calvin Cater, uh, so I'm 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 not entirely I'm not entirely certain where to go from here because that that middle of that division is in featherweight is is kind of muddled right now. Um, I've seen some things uh, that would say uh, he would probably uh, the next likely fight could be Josh Emmett, who's just one spot ahead of him in the rankings right now. I mean that that would kind of help to to clear things out a little bit more uh, beyond what this Jeremy Stevens fight's done.
0: Yeah, I would I'd would have to agree with you there. I could also see him maybe just maybe jumping up and fighting Yair Rodriguez or Chan Sung Young, uh, the Korean Zombie. Yeah, and I think. If he if he beats one of the any one of those guys in his next fight, I can see him possibly competing for the championship, the belt. But he also has Max Holloway and Ortega and Zabit in his way. So exactly, th- th- this is a really interesting division right now, and I can't wait to see how this division plays out in the next throughout the remainder of the year. So, I, I
1: totally. Uh, can, if I can just get a yeah, little ahead. bit of a comment in there. Uh, this is something that I didn't really realize until I was looking into things a little bit more for these for these next fights uh, for these guys. That was Jeremy Stevens' fifth straight loss. So, oh, wow. he's he's in an interesting position. Uh, be or, well, sorry, it was his, his fifth straight non-winning uh, fight. Yeah, yeah, he had uh, the no contest. He had the no contest with Yair Rodriguez. So he's gone winless in his last five fights. That's the kind of thing that gets you cut from the UFC. Yeah. So, I mean, yes, he's he's a top 10 contender right now, uh, but he's got to be really careful with what happens next and who he takes this next fight against cuz he's he's right on the brink of possibly getting cut from that contract.
0: Yeah, I, I could see him, you know, landing in the the Bellator Legends division possibly right. <laughs> after this. It's just if he loses his next fight, I think Dana White's going to be like, "You know what, Jeremy, Saying it right now, you got it's, your time is over, and he's like the cowboy of that division. He's just yeah. the, like you said last time. He's got forty-seven or,
1: professional fights.
0: Yeah, his so. it, his body is getting battered and bruised, especially with this Calvin Cater fight earlier in his career. He wouldn't have gotten knocked out by that elbow, but now mm-hmm. at this point, I, I don't see. I don't see. I, I can't see where he can go, go up from this. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. It, so. it was
1: it was honestly a little a little scary to see. I mean, after, after he came to, after getting knocked out, I mean, he was, he was sitting there, uh, in the middle of the octagon and you could
0: see the look in his eyes that he wasn't fully aware of where he was or what was going on. Yeah. It's like, it's like he just got hit by a truck or something. I don't, I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. is his fists are trucks, but I don't see how Jeremy Stevens can really recover from this. It'll be interesting to see what he does going forward. All right. All right. The heavyweight, uh, skirmish of the night, I guess, um, <laughs> We got Anganu versus Rosenstreich. Whoa! (laughs) Yeah. When I was watching this fight, you know, he landed. Rosenstreich landed a nice leg kick and inside leg kick within the first ten seconds. I'm like, okay, he's gonna keep his distance. But then he threw a left hand, and then Angani just rushed him, and then boom! Twenty seconds later, he's toast.
1: (laughs) Yeah. This, this I think is, is what we're seeing. What we've seen in these last four fights now. Uh, of what can be considered the new and improved Francis Ngannou, I would say. Ever since he lost that world title fight, I think he's he's kind of been on a new mission to... to. Uh, I don't know if, if self-improvement is the word, but he, he's making the most of his abilities, and I think uh, taking out somebody like Rosenstreich, who was so hot coming into this fight, uh, says a whole lot about, about what kind of upward trajectory Francis Ngannou's got right now.
0: Yeah, he, he's realizing, I mean, I'm sure he's always known he's good at striking, but he's realizing what he's good at and what he can, what he can improve at with right. what he's good at. And when he hit him with that left hand, you know, it's usually here where people get knocked down on the chin, but he hit him in the cheek. And when he when he put the lights on on Rosenstroke, I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't, my jaw dropped. I was like in awe for 20 seconds because I did not expect that fight to end that quickly, especially with such a refined striker like Rosenstreik I was I was stunned so what do you think's next for Rosenstreik
1: <laughs> Rosenstreik it's it's going to take some recovery here but I think he's so early in his UFC run uh, that he can he can bounce back from from this pretty well uh, maybe somebody like Junior dos Santos I know they're they're both American top team fighters but I don't I don't think that really would preclude them from from squaring off and it's somebody that Ngannou pretty recently beat so if he can kind of set himself up as a step above somebody like junior dos santos which i think the ufc would probably like him to do uh, then i think that's that's a good next step for uh Rosenstroik.
0: yeah unless uh the ream beats walt harris i don't see Rosenstroik uh falling below over so probably i don't not. see that i don't see that fight happening but i could see this a Der- a nice derrick lewis fight that'd or nice. if walt harris wins a nice fight between those two that'd be that would be fireworks, and then you know if if Dana White decides to go crazy, Curtis Blades maybe. So it's really, he's in a really interesting position. So what do you think's next for Ngannou?
1: I honestly think he's waiting for the winner of Stipe and Cormier three. Uh, now how long that takes, uh, when when all that's gonna happen again, I'm I'm not entirely sure. But I think that's probably, and that's the next logical step. I think everybody is seeing after that fight, at least in my opinion.
0: Yeah, that's, that's the next logical step in my opinion. That's really all that's left. Unless Stipe Mio just, I mean, I know he's had a lot of problems with that eye because, I don't know, Cormier poked it poked it quite a few times in the past couple fights, so I don't know. I, don't know, I think he might be considering retirement at this point, but yeah. I'd like to see him fight Cormier one more time. We need, we need that trilogy fight. We need that conclusion. Uh, two to one, whoever wins, obviously the better fighter. So, Co-main event of the night, Cejudo versus Dominic Cruz. What'd you make of that fight?
1: This was an interesting one. I think I kind of agreed with with just about everybody with in, in consideration of the broadcast team. And initially, Dominic Cruz, uh, at least on first viewing, watching it live, that that was a little bit of a quick stoppage with Cejudo landing that knee flush and then uh, kind of scrambling in. It looked like Uh, Cruz was starting to get back to his feet and was making some sort of effort to defend himself as that finish was coming in. Uh, But uh, watching it on replay, I mean, he took, one, a massive knee to the face that split him wide open. And then uh, upwards of 10 unanswered shots before he started moving back up against the cage to get himself vertical again. Uh, The fact that uh, Cejudo uh, was able to put him down in a way like that was pretty impressive to me. Especially with somebody like uh like Dominic cruz that to this point at this this far into his career is basically made of
0: titanium yeah, so I don't yeah it was it was a really interesting fight to see i at first I was like huh a little early for the stoppage, but right after the replay, I definitely agree with the stoppage he hit he hit him eleven times in the head, and i yes, I think he hit him with he ended him with two seconds left in the round he, the ref could have let him go, but I don't see. Cruz lasting that much longer after that, no. so yeah, there there was a lot of uh. Cruz definitely found his range in this fight, I think, but I think Cejudo made his adjustments and then he, then he came at him with and that he was that was that knee was originally a kick, and then right. that was oh that was a gorgeous knee to the face. So, what's next for Cruz, man?
1: I I don't really know. I mean, somebody like Jose Aldo possibly. Uh, he's coming off uh, a pretty close loss with Marlon Moraes in his bantamweight debut. That may be something to look at. Two older fighters kind of looking to, to get back into the championship game. Uh, so that that's the next look for me. But I'm not really sure what we're going to see with Dominic Cruz because he's had such long layoffs between his last few fights. He was off for three years coming into this one.
0: Yeah, that's that's. I was thinking the same thing A Moraes' fight maybe. But... I know – I forget who Dana White wants to put in the title eliminator because, so as many people know, Cejudo has retired and he's vacated the, the belt. So I don't know if he's going to be in one of those title eliminators for the belt. So so I think they will be really interesting for Dominic Cruz to see where he's going. Who knows? He could retire. That was – that was just I think that's a brutal loss on his part. So we you know Cejudo retired, but I wonder what's next for him. I think – I don't – I remember someone asked him in the press conference about WWE. What do you think about that prospect for Cejudo?
1: Oh, that'd be an interesting one. I mean, he's he's definitely the caliber of athlete it would take. He's uh, clearly got the personality for it. Uh, But I I think you heard him talk on commentary, some about him making an attempt uh, at, at his age to qualify for the next Summer Olympics, which would be an interesting case. I mean, he won a gold medal in 2008 when he was when he was still pretty young so i mean still at 33 years of age that's that's not typically at least as, as far as americans go the the age you're seeing olympians go and and compete but if anybody's going to do it it's triple c in my opinion
0: yeah I, I i heard some buzz i think rogan says something about this but i could see him doing boxing yeah i really i really could and i think because he he made I mean, the transition from MM from wrestling to MMA so well, I could definitely see him doing the same transition from MMA to boxing. And I, I'd agree yeah, with go. that.
1: And and something that that can go along with that. I mean, just I totally lost my train of thought. That's oh there there we go. That's that's I could honestly uh, and he's he's a talented striker, and I think I mean we've seen over the last few years him trying to market himself as the best, the greatest combat athlete of all time. What else but going and being a competitive boxer and dominating that as well would would not surely guarantee him that position, being a gold medal Olympic wrestler, a two-division UFC champion, and a, a standout in the boxing ranks as well.
0: Yeah, I think... Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that there. And, you know, I... Like you said, I could see him going back to the Olymp- the Olympic ranks because um, I just think that'd be a good challenge for him, and I, he loves to challenge himself. And going back at 30, thirty, he'll be thirty-four at the time of the next Olympics. Just to do that would be awesome. I'd love to see him wrestle again. And you know what? A, I think this he could do this. He could fight Javante Davis in boxing. Yeah, that would be a really. That, if you want to make, if they want to make some money, man. Ooh. I would. I'd pay to watch that fight. So we we got we got that down. We know we don't know what's next for Saudo. If he wants to come back to UFC, he said add another zero. So to the main event of the evening, Ferguson versus Gaethje. What did you have to make of this fight, man?
1: Oh, Justin Gaethje surprised me a lot because I mean, what we've really seen him known as throughout his time. I mean, he's called the highlight reel. He's a, he's to this point been a narc, knockout artist. Uh, that's really been his his big claim to fame is is putting guys down in in spectacular ways but here against Tony Ferguson uh, he was able to avoid what's really been a knock on his career in the UFC thus far which is in addition to putting guys out in spectacular ways he himself has put himself in position to get put out in spectacular ways and he was a lot more controlled a lot more refined uh, with his boxing which has always been kind of the standout uh, Tony Ferguson could not get out of the way of his left hook, and it it just was uh, for the most part domination from start to finish.
0: Yeah, I I would I totally agree with you there, and with I was very surprised with the discipline that Gatesy had throughout the whole fight. He could I think he could have finished Tony a couple of times there, but I think if he knew if he if Tony got to the ground, and Tony could try a submission attempt put him put Gechi himself on his back. And what I remember he went to his corner one time he said, "Dang, this is fun." And his coach said, "Don't get carried away, Justin." Yeah. Because if you get carried away, you've gassed yourself out before. And Gechi was clearly the more disciplined fighter in this fight. I Tony Ferguson only had one highlight the whole fight and it was that uppercut toward the end of the second round. Right. And t- Tony Ferguson did not look like El Cucuy. He he looked like he just rolled out of bed and <laughs> decided to fight. I don't know. What what'd you make of Ferguson's performance?
1: He he just looked off. I don't know what it was. Uh, I don't know if he was expecting something else out of Gaethje or, or what, but he, he seemed to be back on his heels the entire fight, and something you heard him talk about a lot and something that was very clearly noticeable. It, it came a certain point, uh, probably starting in that second round and carrying over through the rest of the fight, Gaethje was, was uh, hitting him so hard, uh, on on counters to anything Tony was going for, he was instead of staying on the attack, he would throw a strike and then immediately pause and wait for Gaethje to throw his counter uh, to try to brace for it. And you you can't fight at a high level like that because uh, you're not going to be able to to finish anybody or keep any kind of pressure up. And that's
0: exactly what happened here. Yeah, he t- yeah Tony didn't he didn't fight his fight. He fought Gaethje's fight. He showed right. up for a boxing match. And Ferguson, he tried to roll into Gaethje one time, and that was it. That was really his only attempt to get him on the ground that I remember. But it was just – he just looked so off. And he was – get I never – credit to Ferguson on this part, but he took so many hits to the chin. I have never seen that, from especially from a guy as powerful as Justin Gaethje, he took, I don't know, 20, right, 20 left hooks to the chin. And that segues Ed, it.
1: Anyone else in that division probably goes down in the second round of that fight. Yeah.
0: Secondary I third. was, yeah, the boogeyman. He, he really, he, I will give him this. He stood in there. And a lot of people would have just been out, as you said. But that kind of transitions into, I think Herb Dean, that was a fantastic stoppage on his part. I agree. I don't if, – if Ferguson kept fighting, he probably could have gotten gotten killed in that fight. I don't – I mean, they go in there to die, like Tony said. And Gaethje said that too. But Herb Dean saved his butt in there. So what's next for Tony Ferguson?
1: Next for Tony, it's, it's a little bit weird because this is – I mean, he's coming off a 12-fight win streak. He's obviously going to stay towards the top of the division. Uh, but this was essentially – Supposed to be his last step before fighting Habib for the uh, for the undisputed title. Um, maybe when he comes back, somebody like Dustin Poirier, who is actually one of the guys towards the top of that division that he hasn't fought yet. Again, if he, I think he just needs something in between uh, so he can eventually probably move on to get the winner of. Khabib and Justin Gaethje, which I think is the next step in that lightweight division as far as the title goes.
0: Yeah, I would, I would, I would have to agree with you there. I see. Uh, let me let me pull up these rankings real quick, if it lets me. So I just need to see who who's all. So yeah, there's Khabib, and then right now it's Tony. So Jake G- G- Gaethje will move into the number one contender. So I could see Tony fighting possibly Connor, potentially. But there's a lot yeah. of talks about Masvidal and Connor fighting for the BMF belt. But I could see, I could definitely see him maybe having a, a match with Poirier again. So I don't know. The, Tony's not out of it by any means, and he, he, Tony even said, "I'm not in my prime yet," and that's scary. At 36, if he's not in his prime, he, who knows? He's gonna be, he might be like a Couture or something. Hit his prime really late. So we we don't we know kind of know it's we kind of know what's next for Ferguson. So what do you think's next for? We know what's next for Gaethje. It's Khabib. It's no hobby. Right. My bad. No doubt. I think Gaethje will present a huge problem to Habib, wouldn't you say?
1: Yeah, they're, they're a complete clash of styles uh, because, yes, Gaethje has a wrestling background, but as we saw in that fight, what he wants to do is he wants to stand and he wants to put your lights out uh, with either his left or his right hand. And for Habib, who, who, while obviously one of the best fighters in the world right now, he, he's an elite-level wrestler— uh, probably one of the best we've ever seen in mixed martial arts. He's not great on his feet, especially. I, man, it's 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 tough to think about this matchup because exactly what what you're doing there. I mean, we're, this is great radio what I'm putting out right now, but we're on a Skype call here, and and Jacobs just ducking his head down and throwing a overhand right behind <laughs> his head, which is literally what Habib's only move on his feet is. He just throws the overhand right to get you off balance and then tries to take you down. So I think Gaethje's wrestling background would serve him well in a fight with Habib. I think we did see him stuff Ferguson uh, pretty, pretty proficiently uh, when, when given the opportunity. And his ability to keep the fight um, on his feet and maybe even keep Habib on his heels as long as they're standing up uh, gives him a puncher's chance, uh, no pun intended.
0: Yeah, and with, yeah, Habib has not faced uh, a wrestler like Gaethje. Yes, Gaethje has no takedown att- attempts in U- in his UFC career. But I just, just Gaethje being an all-American wrestler back in college, he's gonna know how to defend his takedowns. And when he's put up against the fence, he's gonna know how to defend that. And this is gonna that would be a great fight unless Khabib you know backs out uh-huh, who knows what happens with <laughs> Khabib at this point so daniel you got any final thoughts man
1: <sighs> nothing nothing really springs to mind it's just good to have good to have live sports back um, it was interesting after that fight to see justin Gaethje throw the interim belt down in front of dana white and say i'll wait for the real thing so we obviously know what he wants. I think that's what the UFC wants. We're going to get that fight. I think as soon as Habib is available to do it, and these guys can have a proper
0: training camp. Yeah, really. This is that fight against Habib will be incredible. And Gechi, he said in the presser later, my emotions just got the best of me. I am happy to be a champion. Well, interim champion, and I'm just ready for the next fight. So Daniel, thanks for coming back on, man. This was a yes, lot of sir. fun. So we'll be back soon. Actually, quite soon, we'll we'll be doing a preview of Fight Night Overeem versus Harris. And, Daniel, can't thank you enough for coming on. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. Yeah, and we shall see you guys next time.